These days, we're so primed to recognize an online scam that we sometimes forget scams could be happening in person, too. That was the case for a man here in Collier County named Otto. Last year, he drove his Mercedes-Benz convertible right into a trap. And I'm, I'm driving past Publix to find a parking. I stopped to turn in the, the, the Honda or whatever it was, and the wind was down. The guy said, oh, I know you. I worked with Mercedes for 20 years. And that's why I even talked to them. In case that was hard to hear, I'll explain. Otto was out running errands one day when a man in another vehicle flagged him down. The man said he recognized Otto from his work at the Mercedes-Benz dealership. He said he had noticed some scratches on Otto's car and offered to fix them right there in the parking lot. Otto was unsure. On some level, the situation felt off, but he was a frequent patron of the dealership. If this man was telling the truth and actually worked there, then Otto didn't want to be rude. He agreed to pull over and let the man have a look at his car. Then they showed me the scratch uh, on the fender. Otto grew more suspicious when the man said that he could fix the scratches in just 15 minutes, a fraction of the time that it took a professional, but for about double the cost. To demonstrate, the man took a spray bottle out of his vehicle and sprayed the scratch on Otto's fender. Then, using a cloth, he wiped the scratch right off. Otto realized then that the scratch wasn't a scratch at all. It was probably dust, or some kind of mark that the man had placed on Otto's car while he was shopping that day. Otto declined the offer to fix the additional scratches, and gave the guy a $10 bill from his wallet as a gesture, before he got in his car and drove off. Otto doesn't consider himself a victim. After all, he only lost $10, which he gave the man to keep the peace. But he did go out of his way to report the incident all the same. I'm 78 years old. Uh, I've uh, uh, witnessed all kinds of things in my life. And uh, this one I know about the scam. Uh, that's why I came in. Lieutenant Parker said calling to report a scam you didn't fall for is just as important as reporting the ones that you did fall for. We, we actually learned something else, um, which was beneficial to us, was people would say, hey, I know this is a scam, but I just want to let you know uh, this is what happened. And then we get four or five calls, and then we say, okay, this is the type of scam that's targeting Southwest Florida right now, the FPNL scam, for example. Warning the public about these scams is the best way that we've found to avoid crimes. In this episode, we'll talk more about how we do that. The scammer Otto encountered was more like a con man. Con men get their names from a description dating back to the 1850s, when experts say that confidence was all it took to swindle an unsuspecting mark. In those days, a con man might convince you to buy a cheap watch for much more than it's worth. Or they might have convinced you to invest in a scheme that they knew would bankrupt you. Like online scams, these face-to-face scams go through cycles, and some change to mimic current events. A scammer might show up at your door claiming to be with the U.S. Census, asking for your personal information. Con men of today are also known to show up after a hurricane, offering to cut down splintered trees or replace damaged lanai screens fast and on the cheap. They ask for half the payment up front, then either dip out halfway through the job or move on to the next victim before ever lifting a finger on your property. 
And then, of course, there's the scratch scam. When a con man pulls a sleight of hand, putting you on the spot to pay for a service you never requested. Sergeant Brian Sawyer of the agency's Crime Prevention Bureau says scammers are good at faking it. You are giving your money willingly, but they typically use a couple different techniques that I've seen. Uh, One, they use impersonation. They're not going to say, I'm a criminal, give me money, because then you're probably not going to do it. Uh, So they're going to pose as somebody that a legitimate person may want to deal with. Now, that scam may not work for you, but it may work for somebody else. So they may pose as your bank. They may pose as a charity. They may pose as law enforcement. The sky is the limit as far as what they will pose as. The point is, scams have evolved. And staying on top of them is a full-time job here in a county and state that criminals love to target. Here at the Collier County Sheriff's Office, the same detectives who investigate fraud also handle cases of identity theft. Identity theft is a much different kind of crime. And so far on this podcast, we've covered the scams in which people willingly part with their money under false pretenses. But identity theft can take place even if you've never fallen for a scam. Criminals go after your personal information and use it to make purchases in your name, take out loans, open bank accounts, and write bad checks, or they just use your identity to commit other crimes and frauds. Recovering from a crime like identity theft is a nightmare. And with so many elderly residents here in Collier County, the agency knew it needed to educate them on how to prevent themselves from becoming victims. So back in 2009, Sheriff Kevin Rambosk formed a separate fraud unit at the agency and made our financial crimes unit its own bureau. Then in 2015, the agency partnered with Hodges University to form the county's identity theft task force with a strong emphasis on public education. Both moves were in response to the growing problem of identity theft and fraud here in Collier County. For several years, the Naples and Marco Island metropolitan area consistently ranked among the top 10 metro areas throughout the country for the highest number of reported cases per 100,000 residents. Whatever it is, if you have an identity, they're going to come after you. If you have money, no matter how big or how small it is, they're going to come after you. And it works in several different areas. You still have those same... um, kind of crude techniques where it's like the robocalls and the robo emails where your general layman should be able to spot, hey, this is uh, a scam. And those are the high volume, low intake for the suspect. So they're pumping out tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of phone calls or emails uh, to try to target those few people that may give them a few hundred dollars. Naples is more of a target-rich environment because we, on average, have a higher per capita income here, uh, so it can be more savvy for criminals to look at. Uh, That can be a target area for a criminal, but they're going to try to cater. If they're on the larger scale, a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls, whatever it is, they're going to try to cater something that may be more towards the elderly. So you may see something jury duty-wise. If I called you up and said, hey, you've got a warrant for armed robbery, uh, you need to pay a fine or whatever, you're just going to hang up the phone. But it's easy for a normal person to think, hey, I may have missed jury duty. So that's why those scams were so successful to begin with. The IRS, same thing. Anyone can have an issue with their taxes. So that vulnerable population is there, and they're a lot more trusting than younger people are. But criminals have seen that if they change their game, if they change that impersonation to something else, that they can target anybody. Our main focus has been to educate the public about scams, fraud, and identity theft. 
that's why we've, we've done so many presentations. We've just like done a blitz for the last, geez, four years or so on just education. I mean, it's one thing, you know, speaking with Sheriff Rambos is, you know, how can we, how can we prevent this? And we said, really, it's just through education. So we just did a full blitz. Anybody that wants a presentation, homeowners associations, civic associations, uh, groups, anything, church, anything, we will go out there and we do no charge. Other law enforcement agencies actually charge a fee. Um, but we've always done it for free. We've never said no, um, except if it's out of county. We've had requests from other counties, and we're like, I, you kind of, we don't want to step on other people's toes. But um, and the big thing is, is say go back and tell everybody else about this because knowledge is power. As head of the bureau, Parker does about a dozen presentations a year. But our deputies in our crime prevention bureau also offer presentations. Sergeant Sawyer and his bureau do about twenty to thirty each year on this topic alone. Because fraud is taking place around the clock, the agency started a fraud hotline. It's also known as the Call Before You Pay hotline, and we encourage anyone who thinks that they've encountered a scam to dial us before proceeding. Meaning, before you send your hard-earned money, give us a call. And I always say, within the first 10 seconds of you, you talking to me on the phone, I'll say, it's a scam. It is a scam all day long. Are you sure? Are you sure? I think I won the lottery. No. Did you ever enter the lottery? No. It's a scam. Dave Bush is the volunteer who answers those calls. A retired firefighter and Florida Highway Patrol captain, he began volunteering at the agency during retirement. With, uh, nothing to do. Uh, I was driving my wife crazy. I contacted uh, CCSO and they asked me if I was interested in working in the financial crimes unit. Now Dave takes anywhere from 50 to 100 calls per month. From about 8.30 to 5, Monday through Friday. And uh, I listen to the caller's stories about their problems. And then I decide whether to refer them to Deputy Mike Matthews, who can take their report over the phone and assign a case number to the problem. And if necessary, a detective to the report. Or I might transfer them to another agency, such as the FTC or the FBI or a number of other agencies that we can deal with to help them with their specific problem. In, in some rare, uh, situations, uh, I actually have the comm center dispatch a deputy to the location because I feel it's something serious that's happening at that time where they have a lot of evidence that they can't give me over the phone or I don't want to wait to see it. I want it to get into the office as quickly as possible. So we have a deputy dispatch their location. They, in some cases, they already know they, that it was a scam and they just want to report it. But in other cases, They've already been scammed, and they, they have a problem. They've lost money. Uh, they've given out information that they didn't want to give out, that type of thing. So I try and calm them down. In many cases, they're very emotional. And I just In the beginning, I just ask them for basic information. Just give me your name, your phone number for my log. Tell me about the scam, and then I listen carefully uh, before deciding how to handle each caller. With, with older people. When someone else calls in, they're concerned about their, their relatives. So one of the things that I can do, if the situation warrants it, is I can refer them to our victim advocates unit. They do a super job in aiding these people and the family members. You know, we give them recommendations. Somebody from the unit goes out and actually talks with the, the victim, talks with the family, tries to get, tries to get them on a uh, more even keel. 
maybe you even get their finances rearranged so that a family member can keep track of it and they don't lose any more money. They're very, very vulnerable as you become much older. When the, uh, the snowbirders, the part-time people come down, because there's more people here, the volume of calls increases. And that's like the land of milk and honey for the scammers. Still, Dave said that he's seeing a shift take place. I do notice people are getting more educated, which is wonderful. And Dave has some advice. Regardless of what the crime is, at the end of the conversation, I will always tell them, you, you need to change the way that you talk on the phone. You need to let every call go to the um, caller ID. And if you don't know that person, if it's not your son, your daughter, or your best girlfriend, let it go over into the message area and listen to it. Don't talk to these people. Don't try and get them involved in conversation that you're going to play games with them. They don't want to hear it. All they want is your money. And, you know, and the more you try and go along with them, the worse it'll be. Just hang on. There are other things you can do as well. Larson of Victim Services recommends getting annual credit checks to ensure that you don't miss signs of identity theft. If you get a call from your bank or a utility company telling you you owe money, hang up and call the company back directly by looking up a number online. If something seems too good to be true, it probably is. Chances are you didn't hit the jackpot and the government doesn't owe you money. If you have elderly relatives, check in on them frequently. And if you still find yourself at a loss about whether something is actually a scam, dial our agency's fraud hotline and Dave will walk you through it. The local number is 239-252-CALL or 239-252-2255. When Sheriff Kevin Rambosk began focusing on fraud and identity theft, things were at their worst for our area, according to national statistics compiled by the Federal Trade Commission. There's a list for fraud and a list for identity theft. Back in 2015, the Naples-Marco Island metropolitan area ranked fifth on the list of metropolitan areas throughout the country for the highest number of identity theft cases. By 2017, we had dropped to number 10. And for the last three years through 2020, we haven't appeared on the top 10 list at all. Our same metro area has not ranked on the top 10 list for fraud cases in at least the past four years. By comparison, the state of Florida remains on the top 10 list for states with the highest number of fraud cases. Florida was first on the list in 2017 and 2018. In 2020, the state was third. But for identity theft, Florida did drop off the top 10 list last year, coming in at number 11. So at least for the Collier County Sheriff's Office, these efforts seem to be working. Of course, there's no way to prevent all types of fraud from taking place, but education remains key. Between the fraud hotline, regular community presentations, the task force, Facebook posts alerting the community about new and recent scams, and all of our communication efforts, including this podcast, we're hoping to warn as many people as possible about the dangers they face. At the end of every presentation, there'll be at least three people standing off to the side waiting to have a one-on-one um, to kind of just go over what happened with them and if there's anything we can do, you know. So we, we try our best to try to help those folks, but like I said, we're limited in our in our capabilities of, from a law enforcement standpoint, not our capabilities, you know, uh, from the sheriff's office. It's just what we have jurisdiction to take care of. I say it's like a wound. The sooner you dress the wound, the sooner it's going to heal. If you leave it, it's going to get infected. It's going to take a lot longer to heal. Same with identity theft. Um, And then fraud is always going to be there as well. 
Warrant Statement is a podcast by the Collier County Sheriff's Office under the direction of Sheriff Kevin Rambosk. It is produced, written, and recorded by me, your host, Christine Gill. Listen on SoundCloud and wherever you find podcasts.